Hello, my good friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is Ned Jabbar, and this is The Informed Catholic. It's going to be episode 60, episode 60 this of this year. So, if you're new to this podcast, please subscribe and share. If you like, please subscribe and share. So, uh, we are now in the 15th Sunday of Ordinary Time, the 15th Sunday of Ordinary Time, and, uh, yeah, I apologize, um, for, um, my delays. I've been quite busy with my job. Uh, it's, uh, been very exhausting as usual, um, especially in this hot summer. Anyway, uh, after Monday, things should go back to normal, uh, sort of. Uh, anyway, so let's begin with um, the uh, the act of contrition. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me and for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us all our sins, and bring us all to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. And now the Gloria. Glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory, Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son of God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us, you take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer, you are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. All right, so we're now in the 14th, uh, I'm sorry, the 15th Sunday of Ordinary Time. The 15th Sunday of Ordinary Time. And um, as I said before, yeah, a lot has been happening uh, for the last couple of weeks, uh, many challenging things, and also there are signs of things to come. There are signs of things to come, um, and these are things also that we have been warned about. Um, the culture that we're living in now, this culture is called wokeness and this is also a very globalist world that we're living in and liberal liberalism 
The main thing, I think the best word for it is liberalism. All right. Forgive me for the sounds. It's Brooklyn in the morning. And um, I agree with Dr. Steve Turley when he, you know, I think in many cases, if you look around among, I would say, I'm going to use the word across the board, Orthodox Christians, uh, like uh, Roman Catholic, uh, Eastern Orthodox, you know, uh, you know, those Eastern and Orthodox Protestantism, right? Uh, everyone basically who's on the same base, the same Christian doctrine and dogma and practice and theology who agree on the same thing. Um, I'm going to use across the board traditional Orthodox Christianity universal, universally, you know, in a sense. I mean, I know that not all theologies agree, like Protestants and, you know, Roman Catholics, and there are things Orthodox don't agree with Roman Catholics and stuff like that. But still, what I mean by on a faith basis, you know, belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, belief in the Incarnation, belief in the Virgin Birth, uh, to a, a degree. I know that Protestants don't don't agree on everything uh, about Mary, and I believe in Bible as the, as the Word of God and everything. You know, uh, the Trinity, uh, the two natures of Jesus Christ. We've been warned about this. We've saw this coming. We live now in a woke culture, a liberal world, where reality doesn't define us. We can define reality, which is very dangerous. And reality itself is irrelevant to a liberal, to a woke person, to the globalist era. You know, it doesn't, it's irrelevant. Morality is irrelevant. Uh, morale, truth is irrelevant. What is truth? Remember that? Pilate asked that question. Um, sex is irrelevant. Uh, man and woman, gender is irrelevant. And this is very dangerous. I mean, my personal belief, I think the reason why we're going through all this gender identity, uh, transsexuality, you could change your gender. I believe it's an indoctrination, a form of cult indoctrination. But also I believe that it's a way to cut down on the population of the world. And I believe it's also a way to corrupt and destroy young minds and families. Family, faith, uh, family, and culture, and country do not define us now according to the liberal mind. We can define it whatever it is. Our families, who we come from, define who we are. Our mom, our dad, our brothers and sisters, our grandparents, our ancestors define us? No, not anymore according to the liberal mindset. No, those boundaries have to be broken. The past has to be destroyed to them. It has to be destroyed and wiped away. The old faith, whatever the Bible or whatever religion you belong to, whether if you're Christian, Jew, or Muslim, or Hindu, whatever it is, or Buddhist, those things have to be wiped away. 
technically, even in Hinduism, you will find basis of morality. Islam has very similar moralities to that of Judaism and Christianity. You know, since it's an offspring of Judaism and Christianity. These things, these things that are very important to find people and to find that make you walk straight in reality, that make you walk the straight path, behave in a proper manner, you know, think in a proper way, you know, keep your, your, your mind, your mind, uh, uh, grounded in a in, in reality keep the sky above you the earth below you and walk towards uh your, your, your towards a, a, a perfect moral code and in many ways both feet with faith and reason walking with faith and reason that's the whole purpose of it you know, that's the whole purpose of it. Think reasonably with logic and understanding. Walk in faith and reason. Those are the things that are very important and they want to take all that away. Right? Just listen to the news reports, what they're saying. They I mean, now people get pregnant. Listen to the news reports. They're not even saying pregnant women. They say pregnant people because they want to include trans men who identify as women. Right? Never mind biology and science. Before in the past, we have to, we have to trust the science, biology, science, genetics, you know, male, female chromosomes. None of that matters anymore. None of that, man. You can't even trust a doctor now because doctors are afraid of getting sued if they misgender you. So this is something that we've been warned about. Welcome to the world of the, of the, of the, of, of that heretical thinking of the blasphemous thinking of the cult of the Antichrist. Welcome to it, people. Welcome to this world. Right? The thinking, the blasphemous thinking. This is the kind of world that Noah himself had to deal with. That's why the animals went into the ark. Male, female, they went to the ark. Because the, 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 the sexual immorality, the blasphemous, grotesque immorality of the days of Noah overwhelmed the earth and brought great pain upon the earth. Our sins cause great diseases. Our blasphemous thinking brings great pain and destruction. Our immorality destroys the environment. We destroy our world with all this. And if humanity does not repent, we will bring a great judgment upon ourselves. And it grieved the Lord that he has made man, that he has made humanity. Because man's heart, humanity's heart is desperately and deeply wicked. That's why. All right, let's move on to our reading.
the first reading um, is from the book of Deuteronomy. It's chapter 30, verses 10 to 14. The word is very near to you. You have only to carry it, carry it, carry it out. The word is very near to you. You only have to, to carry it out. Moses said to the people, if only you would heed the voice of the Lord, your God. Moses said, if only you would heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and keep his commandments and statutes that are written in this book of the law. When you return to the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul, for this command that I enjoin on you today is not too is not too mysterious and remote for you. It is not up in the sky that you should say who will go up in the sky to get it for us and tell us of it that we may carry it out, nor is it across the sea that you should say who will cross the sea to get it for us and tell us of it that we may carry it out. No, it is something very near to you already in your mouths and in your hearts. You have only to carry it out. One more time. Book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 10 to 14. Moses said to the people, if only you would heed the voice of the Lord your God and keep his commandments and statutes that are written in this book of the law. When you return to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, for this command that I enjoin on you today is not too mysterious and remote for you. It is not up in the sky that you should say who will go up in the sky to get it for us and tell us of it, what we may that, that we may carry it out, nor is it across the sea that you should say, sorry, the page, who will across the sea to get it for us and tell us of it, that we may carry it out. No, it is something very near to you, already in your mouths and in your hearts. You have only to carry it out. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That is very beautiful. Very beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? It is not something that is too high or way across the sea. It is something that is very near. It is in your mouths and in your hearts. That is... Look at those words. Look at those, listen to those words. Listen to the way, how intimate they are. Listen how intimate it is. Not something that is too high above or beyond. Not something that is across the sea that someone has to go there to get it for you. No. It's something that is already, words that are already 
already in your heart. You know, it's, you know, you have to look, you have to really see how beautiful sometimes the Bible, you know, the Bible is very beautiful work. It's already in your mouths and in your hearts. You have only to carry it out. And I think in many cases we can say, not just carry it out, but also embrace it. Embrace it. Be familiar. In other words, you have to be familiar with it. God is already someone that every single one of us is familiar with. We have to be familiar with him. He's not beyond our, our grasp. People always, I think, um, they always say these things. Sometimes God seems to be too judgmental for me. Sometimes God seems to be uh, too much, too, too beyond for me to, uh, to grasp or too frightening, too, too demanding. And I think, I think we can all be sure one thing. I think in many cases we can, we can blame um, the impossibility for some individuals to grasp God. One is on the way Christianity is betrayed. Like some people think, I can't believe in a God that would condemn people to hell. And you got to realize, I think we can all agree that a lot of those, these impediments are psychological. Are psychological. Because, like I said earlier, we have made, we have made um, sexuality equal to that Of a of a certain right, uh, like we made it into a human right. It's become a human right. It's become, I think, in many cases, they have made it into, in, in, in you know, something that is more valuable than than actually a human right. They you know they made it into something. Instead of a, a personal, private behavior, right? At the beginning, at one time, you heard the saying that it's what two people do behind closed doors in their bedrooms is their business. Now, it's not that anymore. It's become what people do together is a human right. Therefore, um, you have to accept my my sexual behavior in order to accept me. That's, that's the kind of thing we got into that point. And if God doesn't accept me this way, then he's not a good, then he's not a true God. Let's come to that point. Or God has made me perverted. <laughs> that's pretty much what they're saying. Also, that God has made me a perverted sexual person. And therefore, you know, my per sexual perversion is my human right. It's, it's unbelievable. And it's scary. My goodness, it's scary. 
it's even above that of skin color now. It's even above that of, of a person's race. Whether you are happen to be uh, black or Asian or whatever persecuted group you might belong to, it is now it is now more valuable than that of being it's it's even more important now. I mean just look at the United Nations. This this is how far it's gotten and everything. But going back to what we were reading. God is a true loving God. He wants the best for the human person. He wants who's made in his image and likeness. Image and likeness, the way he made us, our image and our likeness, the image, the divine image comes from him. And when we separate ourselves from him by being selfish, perverted creatures that give in to our, to sexual passions, which was the, which is what the devil wants. You know, Dante in his book, the divine, uh, the Commedia. It's actually called in Italian the, the Commedia, not the Divine Comedy. It's only outside of uh, Europe. It's called the the Divine Comedy. In Dante's Commedia, he places the per, the um, the sodomites, homosexuals, not in the place of sexual perversion. He places them in the place of the murderers. And a very particular, I think, a very particular place of murder the ones who kill and murder the divine image of god because their their sexual perversion kill is is a particular kind of murder a special kind of murder they murder the image of god and look what they're doing with with all this uh, hormone therapy that they're giving these kids causing young women to to remove their breasts and everything, convincing them that they're this gender or that gender. Think about it. Self-mutilation. You know, killing. They're killing the person. What happens when these kids reg regret what they've done? There's one video from TikTok the other day uh, that a Daily Wire was showing where a mom was disappointed that she gave birth to a baby son it was a beautiful baby boy and she refused to dress him as a baby boy or a baby girl and she refuses to acknowledge his gender she's going to keep pushing for the boy to want it to, to be a girl and then they won't begin hormone therapy till the doctors say it's time you can begin hormone therapy think about it the doctors are going to do this for money they're going to actually put this child's health in danger for money. This is killing the divine image. This is killing. This is violation of the word of God. This child, this child, this baby boy or baby girl, regardless, is made in the divine image of God. Woe unto those who cause these little ones to sin. 
For it's better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck than to face the day of judgment. Woe unto them. And even worse, woe unto those who who cause little ones to, to sin. In, you know, according to, you know, who believe in him to sin. But, oh my goodness. And the way the woman was talking, the way the mom was talking, there was a certain horrifying coldness. This is a woman talking about her child indifferently. Like she got disappointed in the product. You know, in a very cold, we're not going to acknowledge gender. Um, we'll see if what, what, oh, what gender, uh, you know, the child, the child will be comfortable in. And if, you know, I wanted a little girl, so maybe, you know, we'll, can, you know, we'll, we'll dress, we'll start dressing up the, uh, uh, the child in girls' clothes, and if she's, you know, this is how she spoke. This is how she spoke. This, this, this is, this, it was unbelievable. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it's just, it's, it was just hard to believe that this was a mother talking about her child in this manner. Unbelievable. And the scary part is, That she just gave birth to a, a beautiful baby boy. The child was smiling in the camera towards her, looking at her, looking at her face. And she was distancing, distancing herself from her child. This is, this is satanic. Open your heart to God. Open your heart to God. Shed away all the trappings of this world, this materialistic world that's killing the image of God in you, killing your humanity. The humanity we have, Christ, the incarnate word, took our humanity and perfected it. And made it possible for us to get closer to God through his through his, his, his life, through his paschal life, his incarnation, his life, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. And to do that, you have to walk in the footsteps of Christ. Walk in his way. Take on him. Doesn't matter. Every one of us come as we are. We come as who we are to, to Christ. And he will, perf and he will Im imprint his, the divine image of himself, of the Son of God, so that we can be pleasing to the Father. And this means also, not just in matter of behavior, but in matter of thinking, in matter of behavior, in matter of how we relate to other people, we do it as Jesus does it.
This is why it's called the imitation of Christ. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. And you have to shed the world, shed the mindset of the world, remove the world completely out, especially all the negative and sinful and bad thinking, bad ideas, bad thoughts. Just surrender yourself to our Lord. Give, let us give ourselves to him completely. And he will show us how to get through all this and how to keep out all these evil satanic things that are hurting us. Let's move on to the Psalm. Psalm 69 and the response is turn to the Lord in your need and you will live. Turn to the Lord in your need and you will live. Turn to the Lord in your need and you will live. I pray to you, O Lord, for the time of your favor, O God. In your great kindness, answer me. And with your constant help, answer me. O Lord, for the bount bounteous is, is your kindness. In your great mercy, turn towards me. Turn to the Lord in your need, and you will live. Turn to the Lord in your need, and you will live. I am afflicted in pain. Let your saving help, O God, protect me. I will praise the name of God in song, and I will glorify him with thanksgiving. Turn to the Lord in your need, and you will live. Turn to the Lord in your need, and you will live. Okay, hold on here. <laughs> All right. See you, lowly ones, and be glad. See you, lowly ones, and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the poor and his, and his own who are in bonds. He spurns not. Turn to the Lord in your need and you will live. Turn to the Lord in your need and you will live. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. The descendants of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall inhabit it. Turn to the Lord in your need, and you will live. Turn to the Lord in your need, and you shall live. So, here in this psalm, turn to the Lord in our need. Whatever it may be. In other words, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid to turn to God in your need. He will show kindness and mercy towards you. He will help you and he will answer you in what he knows is best, not the way we want him to. Because a lot of times what we think we, not, we want, and trust me, it's not always a good one. You know, years, many, many years ago, this is a little confession here, um, my father, um, when he was dying of pancreatic cancer, got very, very thin and, uh, the signs were obvious. He was, he was dying of cancer, but you know, you, you know, my father was Muslim and he was abusive. He was abusive to my mom, physically abusive. I, I witnessed a lot of uh, 
home, you know, abuse, domestic abuse. And um, I'm not going to lie, it's probably affected me in many ways that I, uh, which is why I'm, I'm not married at this point in my life. I'm not, you know, it's just that it's, I didn't grow up in a happy home. My parents um, divorced when I was 13. And um, it's no secret, I believe my father married my mom just for um, for the green card citizenship. And in many ways that affected her. Her marriage, her father wanted her to be married to a Middle Easterner because her father thought that was the best thing for her. You know, because in many ways it was a way for him to reconnect through his daughter to a Middle Eastern culture. You know, he was Muslim himself. My mom, my grandmother was Catholic. She was a Puerto Rican Catholic. And that's how my mom was born Catholic. But she she was, I mean, in many ways, she thought her father was looking out for her. You know, she wanted to believe her father wanted her to be happy. But what he did was he found someone who was desperate to stay in the United States but anyway, I digress. The point is, my brother and I thought that his proof of love was whatever he left for us. What we didn't understand is because in his second marriage, he left everything to his second family. And he left us basically crumbs, let's put it that way. And my friend tried to tell me um, the money is not going to save you. The money is not going to satisfy you. You just, you, you know, basically, I guess you could say I was terrified thinking, you know, even though at this time I was pretty much taking care of my mom and myself, and the sad problem is that the apartment that I was living in was still not mine. It was my father never put me down on the lease. Anyway, I was Catholic at the point, but it was it was also a horror the fact that this man who was always difficult to get close to was finally going to be leaving this world. And he was going to be out of my life. And... The sad problem is there was no closure. Even though I whispered in his ear, I forgive you, there was no real closure. There was no real closure from him. And I have to admit that after he was gone, I'll go faster, the, the main factor of the whole thing, it was the main thing is, God stripped away everything of him from, my, from our lives. We lost the apartment that we were living in for a long time that was his. And God forced me to get another apartment, even though I was paying more rent. But the important thing is the difference is it's not his. And, you know, 
even though for my mom it's tough to let go of the memories, the bad memories, it was a way of, 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 of in a way, uh, you could say, of, uh, it's kind of like a cleansing, a cleansing thing. It's a, you know, when things in your life are bad, when a person in your life, even though, like, yes, I still love him. I still love him, even though he's, he was abusive. He was still my father. You can't deny abusive people, even though that they were, they're part of your life. A priest said once, you don't forgive the person on your own. You forgive the person from the cross with Jesus. You forgive the person from the cross. You never forgive the person on your own. When the Lord said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He did it from the cross. And even though the woman said, I don't know, because her father was abusive to her, horribly abusive to her, if I've forgiven him enough. And he said, that's not for you to, to dis that's not for you to worry about. Whenever you think this way, go to the cross and do it from the cross. Do it from, do it, do it from Jesus nailed from the cross. You imitate Christ. That's the point. You imitate Christ. I wanted, I put my faith in the material things. My brother and I did the same thing. And sadly, it was never going to be enough. I wanted, a t I wanted, I wanted closure. And the answer is I'm never going to get it. The best thing to do is go to God, go to the cross, go to Jesus. You know, the Psalm here, I am afflicted in and in pain. Let your saving help, O God, protect me. I will praise the name of God in song and I will glorify him with thanksgiving. See you lowly ones and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the, the poor and his own, his own who are in bonds. He spurns not. You know, you see, this is the, this is something we have to remember. Whenever we feel afflicted and in pain, we turn to him. The money was never going to do it. Even though we got very little, but the point is it was never going to be enough. It will never wipe away the pain. It will never heal the wounds. It will never do it. You're never going to be feel happy no matter how much money you're, you, you know, you get either from an inheritance or whatever. The most important part is your relationship with God. That's how you start. All right, let's move on. All right, so the second reading is from uh, 
a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. All things were created through him and for him. It's uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him were created all things in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he himself might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness, for in him all the fullness was, was pleased to dwell meaning the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile all things for him, making peace by the blood of his cross through him, whether those on earth or in heaven. Hold on. Okay, I think that's it there. I'm quite certain there was probably more to that, but all right, that's it there. That's Colossians. Let me read it one more time. Okay. Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him were created all things in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he himself might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile all things for him. Making peace by the blood of his cross. Through him whether those on earth or those in, the, in heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, what here, what Paul is saying, I honestly, I think this translation is not that great. Unfortunately, the New American Bible, um, I don't like, let me put it this way, I don't like inclusive language when you're dealing with an ancient text, especially from the culture uh the Middle Eastern culture, especially with Judaism, I think when you try to slice it and dice it and kind of like uh, trim it here or there, do a little trimming here and there, you you wind up losing something. Um, you know, I understand too literal could be um, very uncomfortable because either way, any translation, especially into English, is going to be an interpretation and you're going to lose something. I think the best thing to do is just try not to do that. I think it's, you know, try to get clear the literal as much as possible without uh, losing poetry. I don't know. I'm not a translator, so, you know, it's, it's pointless to complain sometimes. But really, there are better translations. Uh, the image of the invisible God. 
God manifested and revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. I and the Father are one and the same. If you see me, you see the Father. Um, that's, that's pretty much what brings to mind, right? That's right there. Um, the firstborn of all creation. The purpose of Christ's incarnation, his death and resurrection, was to make the heavens and the earth and everything new again. New again. To redeem it. To uh, remove from it uh, the evil, the evil uh, contamination of sin, the fall of sin, and that is that, that is his purpose. So he, his resurrection is, he is the first fruits of that new creation, and so that's his purpose. That is to make us, to make us part of that part of that new heaven and new earth for in him were created all things in heaven and on earth the visible and the invisible he is the word remember what john says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god you go back john is john is poetically expressing what genesis said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But John wanted to show that Jesus is something more. He's something more. And he is the divine logos. He uses a very Greek expression here. Logos, the word, reason, logic, thinking, but also power. Jesus is the power of God. He's the word of the Father. And through Jesus, everything came into being. Through the spoken Logos, who gives shape, or form, meaning to all of creation. Every single one of us came into existence, existence through his through the spoken word we were all embodied every single living being every atom every molecule every proton neutron whatever you want to call it all of the atomic structure of the universe was in that word every single one of us were a thought not and there is no such thing as accidents and there's no there's no one that is an accident of birth sorry to say to you, i'm not sorry but this is this is the truth people nobody is an accident nobody is an accident not anyone in any way is an accident all right there is there is unfortunately the fallen nature which Adam and Eve, the first Adam, the first Adam, the first man and woman, they brought everything down through a bad choice. There's bad choices and there is contamination of bad choice. There's perversion of the bad choice coming from the bad choice. It's called sin. It's called sin. Where the will 
and the appetite are completely disordered, meaning your sensations, everything. It it made everything sick. It made it gives people. It's a psychological and a mental and a spiritual disease that caused us all to fall. You know, to to be the way we are, to the fact that we have so much pain and everything. Um. Whether okay, it goes on here after the invisible and invisible, meaning everything we see and, and unseen, whether they're thrones or dominion or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, in him all things hold together, in him all things hold together. He is, the, you know, I mean, look at here, this part here. For in him were created all things in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, the visible and the invisible. I mean, Paul is here speaking the same way John does in the beginning of his gospel through an abstract expression of who Jesus Christ is. That's powerful. Very different from the way Moses, remember what Moses said in the beginning, it is not beyond your grasp, not beyond your grasp, it is in your heart and in your mouth. We could all say that in this modern culture, it is in our hearts and in the very depth of our minds and our beings. Jesus, the word, the living logos is there. So... You know, all things were created through him and for him. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. That's pretty powerful stuff. This is not what you call simpleton thinking here. It's not simpleton thinking. It's a lot of thought, deep thought into this of who Jesus of Nazareth is. I mean, both Paul and John here are going into the most impossible realm. Sometimes it's very hard even for scientists to accept this, you know, to accept this sort of thing. And even for a lot of philosophers, it's very hard for them to accept this sort of thing. Atheists struggle with this. You know, people who, the God deniers, the God rejectors, the God haters cannot accept this. This is what makes also Christianity different is because of the incarnation. The fact that God, the creator of the universe, decided to come down and become a human being to take part in his creation. He limited himself, deliberately limited himself to literally subjugated himself without ceasing to be God, but literally emptied himself of all his glory and became a man, became a human being to walk among us, to be willing to be born from a woman, a virgin. Literally decided to be a baby that needed help, that needed diapers changing, needed to be fed, needed to be cleaned. And in many ways, he was still God. 
still looking through all those limitations, but at the same time, still God, still holding the universe together, still needed to have his diaper changed, still needed to be fed, still needed to be taught, taught how to talk, even though he could have let himself be taught how to talk very easily, he could have willed it, but decided not to. Decided to, to be taught how to put on clothes, to be taught how to put on sandals, to, to say hello, to have good manners at the table, to say shalom to people, to everything, all those things. He chose to do it. He chose to go through it. It's, uh, it's, it's beautiful and unbelievable. And this here, Paul is going through it here, is really, he's finding it. I mean, you could tell he's overwhelmed by this. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. All things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. He made, he who is the creator, made himself the victim. He is, he who is the creator, made himself the sacrifice. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a scholar. But I, like you, I'm trying to show you that you can learn these things on your own. I'm really learning how to interpret this exactly how I've learned it from the catechism. You know, I picked up pieces here and there, theology books, everything, because a lot of Catholics think, well, you're not a priest. You shouldn't be doing this. No, no, absolutely not. You can do this. You can learn from priests. You can learn from popes. You can learn from bishops. You can learn from Dr. Scott Hahn. You can learn from Dr. Taylor Marshall. You can learn from everybody. Okay? You can learn from Robert Barron. You can learn from everyone. And I can still learn a little bit from Protestants too. I can learn from Orthodox Christians as well. You know? I read a lot of spiritual books. I read a lot, a lot from the, the church fathers. I read a lot from everybody. I've listened to Father Mitch Paqua. It is not impossible. Okay, it's not impossible. In him, all things hold together. In him, all things hold together. That means everything. The entire universe depends on him. If he wills it not to hold things together, we're in trouble, right? Creation, the universe, reality is in trouble. He is the head of the body of the church. Why does Paul go into that part? Because everyone who has faith in him Everyone who is baptized in the Catholic Church, even Protestants who are baptized, are still, in a sense, in some mystical way, still part of the Catholic Church. Although, in a degree, they they because they're cut off. But everybody is part of the faith. Everybody is part of Christ, and Christ can decide who He wants 
you know, how he wants this to be done. But everything is held together because of him. All right. He is the beginning, beginning the firstborn of the dead. Everyone who is mired in sin suffered because of sin. We're baptized in him. We experience every, you know, the sacramental life through him. And then we become in him the firstborn of the dead. Okay, the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn from the dead. We will receive the resurrection of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And going on from there. For that is all things he himself might be preeminent. In a sense, he's the first. He's the first to lead the way to that uh, through that redemption. And all through him. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll move, we'll skip the verse. For in him all fullness was pleased to dwell. You see, the truth, the fullness of the Father and the Son choose to dwell. Think about it. He chose first to go into the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, made her a tabernacle, a temple, made a girl, a young woman's body, a tabernacle, a temple, and then he himself, a dwelling place for this, for this, for this new temple. And then suddenly, in his resurrection, he is everything. He is the fullness of it. He's completely got us, got us all. It's beautiful. He has us everything together. He holds all things together. And through him, reconcile all things for him. In other words, creation has to stop fighting. The universe has to stop trying to fight because of sin. People, you have to realize, the more evil increases in the world through human beings, the more creation, the more the, 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 all of creation suffers. Our sinful actions are the reasons why there's so much evil. There's so much evil in the world. There's so much war, so much pain, so much suffering. Okay, and then going on from here, making peace by the blood of his cross through him, whether those on earth or in the heavens. It's this is this is all dependent on him, and we should realize that. If we ever realize how our lives fall apart, it's because when we when we when you're we're disconnected from him. We're disconnected for him and our sinfulness drives us crazy. All right, let's uh, move on to the next. You know, basically, it's simple. Our sinful nature causes a lot of pain and suffering in personal life, but also around us. Our sinful lifestyle, our denial of, of letting God in our lives causes a lot of other pain and suffering. All right, let's move on. Alleluia, alleluia. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. You have the words of everlasting life. Alleluia, alleluia. This is from Gospel of St. John, chapter 6, verse 36 to 30, uh, 68. Okay, and the reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. Who is my neighbor? There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test him and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your, all your being and all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers. As he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, they stripped him and beat him and went off leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instructions. Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which is, which of these three, in your opinion, was, was a neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, the one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Good Samaritan. All right, so this passage has a two-edged sword to it. On one hand, it's going to show um, religious hypocrisy, expose religious hypocrisy. On the other hand, it's also going to show that it's a test. It's a test. A test of faith and a test of mercy. Mercy is the image of God. Love and mercy is the image of God. Judgment is for God alone. That's for him. The scholar who approached Jesus was impressed in the fact that he was the way he taught. And that's why he asked, you know, he asked the question, um, what is the heart of the law? You know, he wanted to know. He wanted to know uh, what exactly is the heart of the law. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test him and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your being and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. 
but because he wanted to be he wanted he wished to be justified justify himself he said to jesus and who is my neighbor jesus replied and then this this is where jesus goes into the story of the good samaritan now why because we're going to learn also loving your neighbor as yourself why why must we love our neighbor as ourself love the lord your god and love your neighbor as yourself because if you take a pyramid the image of a pyramid just a flat pyramid put a flat pyramid in your head or draw it on paper on top of that the tip the point of the pyramid write god and on the bottom going down to the bottom the horizontal part write down me and then on the other half write down your neighbor and write down your enemy because like G.K. Chesterton said your neighbor and your enemy are usually the same people right now love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul that's a given everyone's supposed to love God but the real test of loving God right you put yourself on the other end and you and then you put your neighbor or enemy on the other end as well that's how it's a balancing effect because you have to you can't just love god and not love your fellow na- your fellow man your fe- your neighbor you have to love both how you love god is reflected also in your relationship with god is reflected in your relationship with your neighbor and the same thing your neighbor the person across from you on the other end of the pyramid also has to balance that relationship with God and how they you know I know how they love God they also show how they love their neighbor showing mercy is the closest Im- you can get to the image and likeness of God showing mercy is the closest way the only way you can't show mercy and you can't you, you can't do it you can't you know you're not impressing God if you rescue a cat or a dog you're not going to impress God. Those things are good. Those things are wonderful. And they're good. They're beautiful in themselves. You know, wanting to save the environment and everything. But, but, saving a human life, especially if you know not the person, is the closest you'll ever get to the image and likeness of God. Is your closest you'll ever get to being a Christ. Because that's what that Samaritan did. Think about it. He got attacked on the road to Jericho. Possibly by Samaritans. I mean, if you, you know, you look at it. And then suddenly, two priests show, show up. I mean, actually, one priest, one Levite. A priest is a son of Aaron, a Levite. I mean, all our sons of, uh, are, are from the tribe of Levi. But... Only a, only a priest from the son of Aaron can be a priest. And a Levite is more like a deacon. He could be a temple guard. He could be an accountant or whatever it is. He could, he could help out. He's like a deacon. And they don't want to help him. The first one doesn't want to help him because he wants to walk around him because he doesn't want to be unclean. So he can fulfill his services and Go to, dinner, go to dinner tables and stuff like that. A Levite walks around. He comes around and he does the same thing. Neither one of them wanted to help him. 
And they thought they were being righteous. They thought they were being truly holy by behaving the way they did. And they didn't. The truth is they failed. They realized that was the test of their faith. To help, to help some people, to help God. It's just, you know, and they decided because they wanted to be ritualistically clean, they walked around and they failed the test. They failed the test miserably. They found themselves further from God. And if they helped the man, they helped the man. And there's actually the law permits them to help, but they decided they wanted to be all holy and self-righteous. Vanity of vanities. Oh, where's your vanity? Their faith means nothing to them. Nothing at all. They, they lost also the image of God. They lost also the friendship of God. It's, you know, look, God is not asking you to like the person. Because Samaritans and Jews don't like each uh, don't like each other, it you know there's a strain in that relationship. It's a long history, but it's a strain. But they failed the test. That's the point that Jesus is saying. They failed the opportunity. They lost it. They squandered it. They threw it all away because of their self righteousness. Anyway, uh, that's the two edged sword. That's the two-edged sword right there. That that right there was their loss. Anyway, let's end it here. Uh, and um, it's long enough. And uh, let's go to the Apostles' Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. And for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and life of the world to come. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in the day of battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. I mean, it's, I think it's important that if you go back and you read all the scriptural passages that was given to us from Deuteronomy, from Colossians, and read this passage, you'll see that what Paul said, the fullness, if we want to have the fullness of faith, the fullness of the image of Christ in us, then sometimes, you know, because really the, the, the act of loving is a will. It's not an emotion. To show mercy and to look at people through the eyes of Christ and and act, imitate Christ by showing mercy. You know, it's it's an act of the will and that's and that is an exercise of the will. It's hard. I know it's hard because I look I don't want to get close to a, some smelly, dirty person. And a lot of times, you know, you know, like in New York City, heck, every, you know, I mean, it's worse now than ever before with a lot of these mentally disturbed people. But sometimes when you have to help somebody, even when you don't like that person, this is the moment for you for you to show faith, you know, and don't look for a reward because the Samaritan did not look for a reward. Don't look for approval. Don't look for, you know, you know, people clapping you on the back, you know, slapping your back and say, fantastic. No, do it without asking for a reward and that is, and keep it quiet. Don't show off about it. It's even better, far better. And it, and it, and it brings you close to Jesus. Anyway, um, I'm going to end it here. I want to say God bless and be well. Amen.